Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Today is Thursday. It's the 11th of August. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. The chair of the Republican National Committee says she stands behind Iowa Republicans leading the presidential nominating process in 2024 with their caucuses. RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel spoke at the Iowa GOP's annual Lincoln Day dinner last night in Des Moines. National Democrats have been discussing reworking the early calendar and possibly replacing Iowa with Michigan or Minnesota in the early window. McDaniel told reporters that would have to happen legislatively in those states. We have been contacted as to what the penalty would be because our rules are passed and they would lose almost two-thirds of their delegation, three-quarters of their delegation. So if you have over 30 delegates, you go down to nine. If you have less than 30, you go down to six. Those penalties will stay in place even if the legislature enacts that. McDaniel says the DNC's decision to push their decision about the calendar to after the midterm election shows Iowa is in jeopardy of losing its place for the Democrats. Republican Governor Kim Reynolds spoke about the importance of electing Republicans up and down the ticket at that dinner yesterday in Des Moines. Reynolds is also up for re-election in November, but she did not mention her race and Democratic opponent Deidre DeGier. Reynolds instead focused her remarks on the Biden administration. This administration has unleashed the DOJ, the FBI, on parents, on taxpayers, on gun owners, and a former president of the United States of America. We are at an all-time low, folks. Elections matter. Reynolds talked about bills she signed in this year's legislative session, including removing taxes on retirement income, prohibiting transgender women and girls from competing in female sports, and limiting mask and vaccination requirements. Reynolds also inferred she'd continue to push her voucher-style education plan next year. DeGier has called on Reynolds to join her in at least three debates ahead of Election Day. Johnson County and Iowa City are in a fight over pandemic relief funding. Hanging in the balance are large checks for more than 300 low-income residents. IPR's Zachary Oren-Smith tells us about an agreement that has not been reached. Iowans like North Liberty's Maria Flores are still feeling the financial strain from the pandemic. Um, I have a mobile home and I'm on the verge of losing it. It's an older mobile home, but I need to pay taxes on it. Johnson County government's partnered to send $1,400 relief checks to low-income residents. But despite the program's funding exceeding its demand, Flores and the other 300 eligible residents haven't gotten a check. The agreement had Johnson County spend its federal money first. This includes included funding 60% of Iowa City's applicants. Once the county's allocation ran out, Iowa City funded its remaining residents and then took their part of the money off the table. Iowa City has offered to fund 50% of the remainder, but the county supervisors said no. They say the county funded Iowa City applicants. Iowa City should help fund county residents like Flores. The second Field of Dreams game is tonight in the cornfields of eastern Iowa, near the site of the beloved 1989 movie. Major League Baseball wants to wait before making a decision on a third date in Dyersville. It has been in contact with multiple cities about future games. And a lush green lawn is a source of pride for many Iowans, and this prolonged drought is forcing many to quit worrying about having the best lawn on the block and to let the grass go dormant. Adam Tomes, a horticulture professor at Iowa State and a turfgrass extension specialist, says 
It's stressful for grass to shake up the watering schedule, so he's telling Iowans if their lawns are already turning brown, just let them go. It's going to be a partly cloudy day with a chance for some thunderstorms, mainly in the northeastern half of the state for this Thursday. This is Here First from IPR News. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations are once again up as the highly contagious BA5 Omicron variant circulates the state. Here to fill us in on the details is IPR health reporter Natalie Krebs. Hello, Natalie. Hi, Clay. All right, Natalie, just give us an overview of where we are with COVID cases and hospitalizations at this point in the pandemic. Yeah, so for the past three weeks, Iowa officials have reported around 7,000 new cases a week. Um, Reported cases have been creeping up over the summer as this highly contagious Omicron variant circulates throughout the state. Um, Remembering those case counts are definitely underreported. Most people doing at-home tests, not reporting those to official counts now. Hospitalizations, on the other hand, statewide are now over 300. Those also have been steadily increasing since April. However, just a small fraction of those hospitalizations, about 10 percent, are in the ICU. And that's where it's interesting. I spoke to the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, and they say many of their COVID hospitalizations are what's known as incidental COVID findings or people who are admitted to the hospital for something else and then test positive for COVID. So experts say we're in an overall much better spot than we have been previously in the pandemic. In general, the Omicron variant seems to cause milder symptoms as compared to previous variants. And experts say we just have a lot more tools to fight COVID now, such as antivirals that can be used on people who test positive and are at risk for getting seriously ill. And then, of course, several options for vaccinations. People can now get vaccinated as young as six months of age. So what kind of precautions should people be taking right now when it comes to COVID-19 mitigation? Right. So I asked Dr. Mike Brownlee this. He's the chief pharmacy officer at UIHC. He says some people are still at that higher risk category for getting seriously ill from COVID. Includes people who are older or have underlying conditions like asthma or diabetes. Um, Dr. Brownlee says people should talk to their doctor if they feel they might be in a category where they are more vulnerable. And they'll want to take extra precautions like masking in public and avoiding crowded spaces. If you're not considered high risk, Dr. Brownlee says you can still take basic precautions like making sure to test for COVID if you have symptoms and stay home and isolate from others if you do test positive. So the other thing, too, is to acknowledge when you might be a contributing factor to the spread of the virus. And I think people have gotten out of that mindset where people have symptoms. They're like, oh, it's allergies or it's really mild. But making sure we know so that people can isolate until they're not transmitting the virus as much. Um, And of course, another major recommendation from Dr. Brownlee is to get vaccinated and boosted and get that second booster if you're 50 or older. Um, He says it still is the case. Most people who are hospitalized primarily for COVID are unvaccinated and getting the shot and boosted can give that extra protection against severe illness to everyone, even those who are not in high risk categories. So speaking of boosters, what is going on with this potential second booster for those that are under the age of 50? So we're still waiting on word from that from the federal government. We're seeing Pfizer and Moderna test out boosters that could work better against the Omicron variant. Um, NPR reported the Biden administration may have scrapped plans to push out a booster for younger people this summer. They plans instead to get people boosted with the vaccination that works better against the Omicron this fall. 
Um, another reason could be because, you know, this fall is the start of respiratory virus season. COVID cases are expected to increase then into winter. That's also when the flu shows up and the annual flu shot is given out. But bottom line is we have still not received word from the feds as to when exactly to expect this next COVID booster. Finally, on another topic, uh, the federal government declared the monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency. What do we need to know as Iowans about monkeypox in the state and precautions to take? So according to the Centers for Disease Control, the U.S. has about 7,500 cases of monkeypox. About a, just about a dozen of those are in Iowa. So the federal government did declare a public health emergency for monkeypox last week. However, experts I spoke to want to clarify monkeypox is much different than COVID transmission-wise. It's much harder to transmit monkeypox than it is COVID. Um, monkeypox often requires prolonged skin-to-skin contact. So it is not an STI, but officials say now they're kind of treating it like an STI because the vast majority of cases have been spread through sexual contact, specifically men who have sex with men. Um, State health officials say they've been allocated about 2,500 doses of the monkeypox vaccination so far. Um, They plan to follow federal guidance to target populations who are most likely to get the virus. IPR health reporter Natalie Krebs, thank you. Thank you, Clay. You can subscribe to IPR's Hear First wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Clay Masters. Thanks so much for listening.